On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. And streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh, Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Monday, of course, the 18th of September and I'm live at the moment from Ramwick Racecourses at the Kenzo Two-Year-Old Trials, the official tab Two-Year-Old Trials. The first trials of the season for the youngsters gets underway and, in fact, they are well and truly underway. In fact, Heat 2 has just jumped in front of me, but we've got a massive show today of Punters Postmortem where we're going to dissect the weekend's races. We'll talk about what we can back for the future because we've got a couple of, well, I shouldn't say a couple of just good weeks coming up. We've got months of good racing ahead of us, so looking forward to it all unfolding. And our panel today is Brody Nixon. We've got David Gaintley and Chris Roots. What about news overnight? Private Eye locked in by Max Whitby and his connections for the Tab Everest after his win in the shorts. Chris Roots breaking that story and we'll chat with Chris in a moment about that. Also as well, that other news to filter through from a racing perspective which I know the Big Sports Breakfast team touched on this morning. The fact that uh, the first foal of Winks will be up for sale at the English Easter Yearling Sale. That was extraordinary news to come through. And we're actually in a chat with Peter Ty this morning at 9.30. One of, of course, the part owners of Winks. Uh, so that will be fascinating to chat with Peter and uh, no doubt a lot of uh, interest in that particular filly when it comes to the autumn at uh, Inglis. Uh, let's get to our panel, though, of experts. I'll welcome in firstly uh, Brody, Brody Nixon, who is making his debut on Punters Postmortem today. You would have heard Brody uh, chat away on the Punters panel, of course, Sam, as well on other parts of Sky Racing. And uh, great to have you on the show. You were out here at Randwick on Saturday, Brody. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Gator and Chris. It was a fantastic day there at Randwick on Saturday. I was with the Race Connects crew. It's a really good group they get there, getting young people into racing, not only in the industry, but also young punters as well. And the racing, Dave, it was very hot on the track. We saw some outstanding gallopers. And I just want to tip my hat to Chris Roots. He was on the punters panel on Friday. He declared just fine and he declared private eye and he absolutely filled his boots. So well done to you, Ruder. And as you mentioned, I can't wait to see these horses over the next few weeks. We've got David Gately joining us. Uh, Gately, you've got one of the best seats in the house on a Saturday with uh, Davo and Andrew Martin on Sky Racing 1. Not only did we have good racing in Sydney, but that racing in Melbourne as well. Mr. Brightside. Uh, geez, what an incredible story, and it just continues to grow and grow and grow. Yeah, look, uh, good morning to everyone, and punters, of course, as well. Um, yeah, well summed up. I mean, obviously it was, a, it was fabulous racing in Sydney, but, but also Flemington punters love betting there, and I think Mr Brightside was the highlight. Either he or Amelia's jewel, but look, the thing with Mr Brightside is uh, he, he just can handle anything. Um, a fast pace, a slow pace, he can sit forward, he can sit back. He's just the absolute bulletproof, the very definition of a bulletproof racehorse. And um, another win, building uh, an unbelievable overall CV. And Chris Roach joining us on the line as well from the City Morning Herald. Good morning, Chris. Morning, Dave, Gator and Brody. Um, great weekend, wasn't it? Um, to see Private Eye do what it did to um, get itself an Everest spot. And it's still a really good price in the Everest. $11, that's just over the odds. You should be, anyone who backed it on the weekend should just be backing up on it in the Everest because they'll probably get a, a better run in the Everest because it'll have a trail. And um, it'll be very hard to beat in the Everest, I think. 
It will be. Uh, Chris, you dropped the story last night in relation to the fact that Private Eye was getting that slot in the race. Uh, talk us through the discussions and your, your discussions, I guess, and chats with uh, Jamie Walter. That's incredible feat, really, from Proven Thoroughbreds and also Joe Pride to get two horses in this race and two horses that didn't come with lofty price tags and the big booms on them. They're just uh, very tradesman-like and very, very good horses. Yeah, and they do a great job proving they they go out and buy horses at the right price that can you can get some money back on and occasionally they get it very right and you get more than your money back and the owners of these two horses are gonna are gonna be racing for, for twenty million dollars on what, October fourteen and they, they were basically they weren't weren't expensive horses. Anyone could have got into them if you if you picked up their website and picked the right horse you you would have got them. Joe Pride I saw you said he must be one of the best trainers in the country. Jeez, he's, when he gets a good horse, doesn't he make the most of it? Like, he had private eye, and he's been careful with him all the way through. I think he won a Queensland Guineas, and won a Epson, and now he's worked out it's a sprinter, and look what he's doing with it now, winning over 1,100 metres first up at, at Ramwick. It'll go straight into the... It looks like it'll go straight into the Everest. We'll see... Um, Think about it. We, I think everyone's being careful when they say those two names. Now we we'll think it over and think about it. He'll be. We'll see him in the um, in in the premiere in in, in a couple of weeks. So um, he's going in with two live hopes, and they're both in the market. Uh, Chris, there's already a text here on the text line, and I want everyone to get involved with the show today. Oh four one nine seven six seven two seven two is the text number. If you've got a question for our panel, or give us a call thirteen fifty three fifty three. We will have the open line. Uh, in full swing, and you can ask any of our panel a question. But now Private Eye has a slot. Does Nash retain the ride, or he, is he committed elsewhere, Chris? Old mate um, uh, sends that uh, text in. So does Nash stick with Private Nash, Eye? Nash stays on, and how, how good a form is Nash Roller in? He's just he's flying at the moment. He's he's really focused. And um, I just think think when, when Nash is riding like this, um, he's j- just one of the best jockeys to back because... His timing and his strength in finishes, like the timing on the weekend with those two photo finishes on Think Think It Over and Private Eye, he got it exactly right. Think It Over, he didn't expose it until inside the last 200 metres, and he and he always looked like he was going to get Zaki from the from the top of the straight. He just he just waited and waited and waited with that old horse. He gets on with him really well, and Private Eye, well, you know, to be three wide, no cover, and just have him travelling, and then. Um, run down um, overpass that had really had it the way overpass wanted it in front. I think Marlo lost his sunglasses. He must have thrown them after the after the <laughs> race because he had a thing. I hope Brody and, and Marlo did take some advice there and have something for their punters on private eye. I think they did. Bray, let's talk about the race and, and Gator, I'll get a comment from you on the race. So obviously we're talking about uh, the shorts here, which was race on the car on Saturday. We see Private Eye win and lock itself in. I thought Overpass was exceptional, and I tell you what, if Buenos Noches is not picked up in the Everest at all, I'd be I'd be shocked. Considering, gee, that was eleven hundred Saturday, twelve hundred Buenos Noches. I think it's right in that race. You're absolutely spot on, Dave. He was massive from the back, and 1,200 metres, you would suggest, will suit him just down to the ground as well. He goes in all conditions. Boynell's notches. He has fantastic three-year-old form, and I think it's safe to say he's come back in better form this campaign than he ever has. And Dylan Gibbons, I'm sure he'll be keen to stick aboard the four-year-old if he does get a slot, which you suggest he probably should. But I think it's ticks all round for the majority of these runners, private eye. 
as mentioned there by Chris. He was fantastic running on. Nash Willer, speaking of the punters club, Chris, we didn't have anything on. We went each way over past and we backed Zaki. So we can speak firsthand just how good Nash is going. He lifted both of those horses to Nalis on the line for the punters club. He is just in unbelievable form. Although overpass was great. There's not too much speed in the Everest at the moment, so there's no doubt that Derby horse for Bourne Baker will be getting a bit of specking in regards to the slot holders. And what about their stablemate, Osmosis? He goes around this weekend, I believe. There might be a bit of interest in him. I thought In Secret was good. She's looking for 1,200 metres. And apart from that, I think it's all about the top four. What do you boys think of Mazu? He was, I thought he was okay from the back at first, but does he need a wet track? Well, I'll come to you here, Gator, and bring you in. We'll get a comment from you on Marzu and then a comment on those other runners that Brody just mentioned. Gator? Yeah, I thought Marzu hit the line uh, quite well without ever threatening. Fourth quickest time, 10.90 split, but the tempo just wasn't there. I mean, by group two average, they were 14 lengths slower, so overpass had every possible chance. He was still brave and he was good, um, but private, I was able to nut him on the line. I think the best run in the race was Bonus Notches in my very humble. I think he wins it if he gets clearer running earlier. Uh, despite that tempo and coming back in trip, he was 10.68 home, the day's fastest. I've backed wow. him to win the Everest, so I hope he gets a spot. So you've, you've backed him yourself, Buenos Noches, Gator? Yeah, well, I don't have much money, but um, <laughs> what I, from what I, the little I do have, I've backed him with, with some of it. Well, he's $15, so obviously this Everest market, we know with the prenoms, um, and, and we know with the, any of these particular races, uh, like the Everest, that if your horse is your back doesn't get selected, uh, you will get a return on investment. Uh, uh, I guess, Chris, there you go. The, the data suggesting and, and Gator suggesting that this horse um, has gone exceptionally well. Do you think he will get a spot in the Tab Everest from what you're hearing? Um, he's, he's the one that's sort of up in the air. I think you'll find that overpass should be done in the next couple of couple of days, if not the next week. I think it's, it's, it's almost locked in now. Um, I know there's a lot of, a lot of people who, are, who want want to see what uh, osmosis does in the heritage it's going down the home affairs path so um it'll depend and a lot of these slot holders are left are thinking well if we can get a leader we might get an easy time in front a la red zell i thought the race race uh, outside the winner uh, um overpass he had everything made to order you know i don't think you can i think that's him he he's going to be there he's going to give you a really good race but can he hold off some of these Booming finish, finishing horses. I know he he won a quaker and he he just held off Amelia's jewel that day. But I think she's more of a miler, and these horses with the big big motors are going to be gunning him down late. I thought In Secret was really good. She had to wait for uh, she just missed the run when Private Eye rolled in about the three hundred and had to wait, go back a length, and then come again. That was she's just looking for twelve hundred metres. She gets a big tick, as the boys have said. Buenos Noches, big finish. Um, Matthew Smith's done an excellent job with this horse. Another $40,000 horse. You don't have to pay a million dollars for a horse to get an Everest runner. We're, we're finding that out every year. Um, he gets a big kick. I thought in behind them, Hawaii 5 might be will be better at 1,200, whether he can he can get in there. And considering the owners of the, uh, Jerry, Jerry Singo and um, Ray Hadley, I think that... That'd be that'd be a good marketing tool for anyone who's looking to market a, market a slot. And I I know there's a slot that um, if someone's if someone's of the mind to buy a slot, there is one available at the moment. Okay, so that slot can be bought. I know that um, obviously. So Bourne is not just was an English horse, wasn't he? 
Yeah, it's uh, 40000 from yeah. Inglis Classic, I, I think. So. I know Inglis sold their slot, but, geez, that would have been a marketing dream. A $40,000 horse racing for you, which could have won the race. Um, who knows? Maybe next year if, um, if they have that slot back in their own name. But, yeah, um, very interesting to see how that all unfolds in the next couple of days. Let's go down to Melbourne, Gator. Let's talk about this Maccabi Diva stakes. Uh, only seven runners. We knew what, how it was going to unfold. We sort of knew where they were going to land. Ollie was out in front, uh, but Mr. Brightside, uh, Craig Williams, it was an interesting week for Craig uh, as that whole giga kick thing went on. He came out on the weekend. He rode winners. Um, mind you, I think anyone could have ridden this horse uh, because <laughs> he is... I, I think he's now he's he's taken the mantle away from from Animo. Obviously, Animo's up there at the Hunter. Um, he's having the time of his life, and I think this is the he's the best weight for age horse in the country now, Mister Brightside. I know that Kerry Parker might be down there shaking his foam, but um, he's just an absolute beauty. This horse. Yeah, look, he is, and uh, I think the the real key to him, as I touched on the opener, he's he's just his invincibility. Um, so his first up, he comes, he goes to a Lawrence. Uh, stakes and they absolutely scorched the turf. A sub 47 first 800, he absorbed all that pressure and beat them. Right at the other end of the spectrum, here he is in the Maccabi Deva third up, sitting off an absolute crawling tempo relative to group one class. 14 lengths slower than the average, so um, alligator blood bled and, and you know, he hasn't gone at any tempo. Um, he was entitled to fight, but Mr. Brightside's now beaten him um, Every time they've clashed, I think what's he five straight? And um, Alligator Blood seemed to have his measure this time last year, but it's a, it's a different story now. And he keeps on beating him up. So, look, they didn't have any chance of running fast time given that, um, you know, 64-second first 1,000-metre sectional. Um, but uh, the key to, to this horse is, is he's just... He just doesn't have any chinks, you know? Um, he, can, he can sit wide. He can sit inside horses. He does, he's not scared of that. Uh, a fast or slow speed, and um, he, he look, he's just a perfect racehorse. Brody, I'll ask you here on uh, on Mr. Brightside. Obviously, you watched it here from Sydney, but a, a great performance. And I thought also in the race, Ozapenko was a, a lovely, lovely run. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there, DS. Ozapenko, he's got Flemington written all over him, doesn't he? Just kind of seems to be at Caulfield, like he's running the Caulfield Guineas where he was forced to hook to the outside fence and charged home. He just wobbled around the bend that day and every time he's run here in Sydney, he's always savaged the line, but every time you see this horse, you look at him and go, you're going to love Flemington and you're going to love 2,000 metres. Hopefully he goes to the Turnbull. I think it might be very hard to beat, but he was savaging the line late and Mark Zara stuck aboard the Chris Waller entire and I think he's going to be very hard to beat where he does go next fourth up. But Mr. Brightside, they didn't pay much money for him. As Chris has mentioned already with the two proven horses and Boynell's notches, some of these pickups, especially from Lindsay Park in New Zealand, they're picking up these really good horses. And he's got this turn of foot. And as Gator mentioned, that win first up went wide off a really fast pace. He had to be brave. He had to be tough. And then he can do it off the slow speed as well. He's a back-to-back Doncaster winner. And there was a bit of chat last night I saw on social media whether he was a champion or a legend. But boy, oh boy, if he comes up to Sydney and wings the King Charles, which I think he's very firm in betting with the tab, he's, he's a genuine, genuine superstar. Well, we're going to see him clash, aren't we, Chris? We're going to see... That's going to be one of the races of the carnival. We talk about how good a Golden Eagle be in an Everest and... Okay, but this King Charles, we might see in this race, well, we'll see possibly Mr. Brightside. 
uh, light infantry uh, we will possibly see as well. You think we will? Because I think Zach's already been booked to ride. Now, Amelia's jewel, it looks like she's going to be here for a King Charles and then maybe a Golden Eagle or whether they go back for a Cox Plate. We'll see Think It Over line up. You'd think Zaki would go that way. Uh, it is shaping as an absolute cracker. Yeah, it's bringing together the Sydney and Melbourne form, which is um, has always been the best uh, way to prove which is the best. Which is the best horse, Mr. Brightside is now. Um, if you, if you go through it, he's won in Sydney, he's won in Melbourne, he's won at Handicap, he's won at Wait for Age, uh, he's won with a light handicap, he's won with a heavy handicap. Like, what more does he have to do for people to to, to establish that he is the best horse in the country at the moment? Um, he might have gone past. I wish I win for you, Dave. But it's um, it's it's one of those things. He's he's the he's the horse that's doing it at the moment. Now he'll come to Sydney. There'll be and that race when Amelia's jewel lines up. I, I know Gator will love what she did on the clock and how she did it. Damian Lane just swinging to her. Um, I can't wait to see them clash and and then adding Zaki and think it over from Sydney. It's going to be a it's going to be one of the races of the races races of the day. It, it'll be a, if it, it might even eclipse the Everest, and that's that's saying something. It's first running at that point of point of the year. Yeah, the fourteenth of October. That's going to be a cracking day, Gator. Um, well, let's talk about Amelia's Jewel. We'll bring her into the conversation because we're speaking about it here in the King Charles. So we hear from connections that uh, obviously the Turak may not be the, the place she ends up. It looks like she might go King Charles, and then after that it would be a decision made on whether it's a, a Golden Eagle or a Cox Plate. Uh, visually, she looked ultra-impressive there on Saturday. What did the clock tell us about the run? Yeah, look, um, she was uh, just a class above them. I think it's as simple as that. It looked a reasonably effortless win. Um, to answer your question, uh, 48-3 fire, first 800 had them almost two lengths uh, above um, the class average, so a pretty good test of endurance for this class of mare, which is high class. Um, her last uh, 600 is 34.12, four lengths above uh, the class, and her overall time a length above. So um, certainly some substance to back up what you saw to the eye, um, and she, not, she was only first up as well. What about you, Brody? Amelia's jewel, a comment? Yeah, there's not much to add. The boys have covered it perfectly. She's just such a beautiful animal, and the way she trucked into it, Damien Lay did not flinch aboard her. She charged through the line, and I was just wondering, Gator, what do you think her best trip will be? Of course, she ran on the Quokka. It was an amazing run that day. I always had my question marks, of course, with the WA form, but that day I walked away going, what a superstar. What trip do you reckon she might be best at? Yeah, I agree with you, Brody. I'm watching that race live, the Quokka. About the 500, I said, well, she's 1,000 to 1. And she still nearly won it. And 1,200 is not her trip. And it was a leader's day. It was a phenomenal run. So if you weren't a believer before the Quokka, I think we all were after. And um, Obviously, we get a line on over past Ballander Patino against, um, you know, the, the elite sprinters from that race. Uh, best trips will be, be interesting. I think your highest rating wins probably around the 1,800-metre mark, isn't it? So, um, yeah, so I think uh, kept fresh enough for a Golden Eagle. 1,500 will be OK. I'd love to see her in a Cox Plate at 2,000 metres. Uh, obviously, she'll have some stiff opposition given Romantic Warriors has landed uh, in the country as well. But that's what we want in our elite races. We want elite competition. We certainly do. It's 9.26 on Sky Sports. I've got a special guest joining us shortly, Peter Ty, uh, one of the owners, uh, part owners of Winx. Of course, we heard that uh, big racing news yesterday in relation to uh, that uh, foal 
of being sold. Look, Chris, um, you've obviously seen some big news stories in your time. It was all over social media. It was on the nightly news at 6pm. I saw it filtering around. That is, it's, it's pretty massive that we see her first foal up for sale. It's something that we probably didn't think would happen. Yeah, it's, it's a, race, a, a story beyond racing because um, the country took ownership of wins and, and that she brought people to the races that hadn't been to the races for a long time and brought new people to the races. And it, if you ask people in the street, Winx might be the only name they know. They don't know Mr. Bright, so they don't know Giga Kick. They don't know Amelia's Jewel. They know Winx. They know Winx because she was a winner. She kept winning, and she just kept doing it. So um, on the 8th of April, when she's, when this Billy walks into the ring... Every, everyone in Australia will know she's walking into the ring and everyone in Australia will be thinking, how much is it going to go for? Which is good for the sport, great exposure. exposure. And the owners, well, they've just decided, let's, um, let's put her to market and see what she brings. So uh, I'm told she's, uh, if you put her in a paddock, if you saw a mob of um, yearlings running around a paddock and you had a look at, look at them, you'd ask, what's that one just there? And you'd pick out Winter's, Winter's um, Philly. So... We'll just have to wait and see. Um, I'm sure there'll be Japan, England, everyone there to try and get that blood. Exactly right. Uh, it is 9.28. We'll take a quick break and we'll find out what's happening on the roads in Sydney. We're, of course, live this morning from Royal Randwick. The uh, first official tap two-year-old trials of the New South Wales racing season are underway. We just saw uh, a nice heat there. You can watch all these, by the way, on Sky Thoroughbred Central or later on catch replays of them on the Race in New South Wales website. We just had uh, Heat 3 there, a, a Pirata go around uh, for the Snowdens and Chad Schofield attacked the line quite well. So uh, if you wanted to watch that coverage, you can uh, catch it on the Race in New South Wales website or Sky Thoroughbred Central. We'll take a break. They'll be back with Peter Ty. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Postmortem. It is 9.31 on Sky Sports Radio. We're on Punters Postmortem. You've got Chris Roots, David Gately and Brody Nixon as your panel. We'll take some calls on 13.53.53 about the weekend's racing shortly. But a big news item which came through yesterday from the team at Inglis is the first foal of champion racehorse Winks will be offered at public auction. Um, it's a beautiful filly. And she will definitely be a star attraction of the Inglis Easter Yearling Sale next year. She's by uh, Piero, this filly, out of... The one of the best, if not the best we've seen, Winks. And one of Winks's part owners, Peter Ty, joins us on the line. Good morning, Peter. Yeah, good morning, fellas. Great to have you on the program, mate. Um, obviously, this news, uh, well, I, I, guess, I guess we can say, yeah, I can use this word. It shocked me yesterday. I was really surprised when I saw this news that this horse would be up for public auction because I thought we would see uh, this uh, Winks's progeny continue to race on in those famous colours and, and it would be exciting to see what journey she would continue to take you on but how long when was this decision made to, to put this blood out there into the uh, into the world oh it's it's been a long long process um i mean she's actually the the second foal of winks the first foal was stillborn um and then we we waited and agonized and, and we're lucky to get the foal that we've got the piero oh, the philly the piero philly we've got but it's a it's a group decision. There's an ownership group. It's not just one person making all the decisions. So we thought about it long and hard, and discussed it long and hard, and um, you know put it to the vote, and, uh, and that's what uh, that's what's come up with. It, do, it doesn't mean we can't um, we can't still stay on the ownership. 
No, exactly right. And it doesn't mean, I guess, you can, as individuals can put your hand up at Easter. Well, exactly. That's the whole <laughs> idea. I mean, auctions are, auctions are designed that way, so it doesn't keep anybody, you know, from being part of the action. Chris Roots made a very good point, and um, he's on the panel he, before we got to your interview, saying that um, I guess why this uh, encaptured us so much yesterday is because Winks, whilst she was under your name and under other owners' names in the form guide, she became a part of, I guess, the fabric of Australian racing and also became all of ours. Uh, the Australian public sort of had her as her own. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a massive, I guess, responsibility you've got continuing on the legacy. Oh, it is. I mean, we we didn't make the decision lightly, and you know we do we do still dearly love Winks, and she's um, fit and healthy and well, and hopefully, you know, we can announce another pregnancy in another month or so. But um, you know, it's not the only foal that she's going to have, and there'll be more to more to come hopefully. Um, so the, the story will continue on, but we just thought, you know, to get the breeding and the bread into the breeding world and. and Give everyone an opportunity, if you know what I mean, to, to get involved. I like it, Peter. How is uh, your your team going, mate? Um, obviously, you're still <laughs> active and involved in plenty of horses. I mean, is it difficult to is it difficult now to? to like, I remember Huey saying once in an interview saying that he had a bit of a a winks hangover, so to speak. You have this incredible high, and you go on this journey with this wonderful horse, and I guess you come back to reality. You'd love every horse you own to be winks, but how are you going from an owner's perspective with your horses now? I think I'm going to have the hangover for the rest of my life. <laughs> We've, I've got a, I've got the best team of slow horses I've ever had. <laughs> so. But, I mean, it's not about, like, honestly, it's not always about, you can't win all the time. I mean, that's, you know, the highs and the lows of, of any sport. But uh, we enjoy it. You know, Paddy and I um, love going to the races. We, we, we still go. We're still booking our trips to Melbourne and Cox Plates and everywhere. And, uh, yeah, we love the racing. We, we we race horses now internationally. We have a team in England. We have a team in New Zealand and, and a team in Australia. So we've, we've sort of changed the parameters, but we, we love it all. Peter, I appreciate you joining us this morning, mate. As I said, that uh, news came through yesterday from Inglis and it was yeah, it blew us all away and it's going to be an exciting time of the year next Easter. Yeah, I'll see you all at the sale. Looking forward to it. Peter Ty, one of the part owners of Winks and one of the part owners of this filly. That's correct, the second filly. Unfortunately, uh, Winks did lose that, uh, that first foal. Uh, but this is obviously a Piero uh, filly which will be sold at the English Easter Yearling Sales. And, of course, it's the first daughter of Winks to be sold at a public auction. So, uh, yeah, very big news yesterday. And appreciate the team from English for uh, for letting us know. It was all over the news. And, yeah, it's going to be huge next Easter to see um, who comes out of the woodwork to buy uh, that exceptional filly. Extraordinary. Uh, you're on Punters Postmortem on 13.53.53. Give us a call if you want to get involved with the show. Uh, a lot of text here about... Uh, the straight race in Melbourne, Gator, in your opinion on how it unfolded. And we speak of the King of Sparta, um, uh, the King of Sparta protest, where Star Patrol basically was, uh, you know, moving in, but out a long, long way. Gee, that was a weird race to watch visually. Yeah, it was very odd, wasn't it? Uh, you had Najim Sahal leading through on the inside and just overcooked it. Uh, and when I say overcooked it, times two, 3398 first 600 off a standing start so that's about 18 and a half lengths quicker than they all go up the straight um and against group two average still 11 lengths faster so 
those leaders had no hope. Um, you know, I think Black Caviar would have struggled to hold on. Uh, so the, the win of Star Patrols, who tracked that uh, hot speed, was very good. Obviously, uh, King of Sparta did give him, what, four and a half kilos and um, only just missed. Uh, it was really um, an exceptional run from him, uh, given the weight. And Benedetta, uh, excellent as well. She just took a, a second or two to wind up and, and then was really strong. They beat the rest of them clearly. Uh, that fast speed set up the, the quick time uh, near 1.9 flat for the 1,200. What did you make of the run of Star Patrol King of Sparta Brody? Yeah, it was a really big performance. As Gator said, they absolutely burned the turf in that early stages. The whole way down the straight, it was, it was really interesting watching, especially not having bet in the race. You go, geez, King of Sparta has got a lot to do. Oh, he's coming. Of course, Star Patrol laid in, but they're two horses that just consistently race so well, and it was very, very enjoyable race to watch, but in regards to the protests and everything like that, I've got absolutely no opinion. I'll leave that one up to everyone else. Uh, what about to the was just sticking in Melbourne just quickly just to cover off uh, we've obviously touched on Mr Brightside and Amelia Stewart but I must uh, talk about Antino here because there's a, a lot a lot of texts about it uh, there was a lot of debate I saw on social media about James Orman's ride what's your opinion Gator? Yeah well I think his intention early uh, to my eye looked to, to be there but then they uh, they kicked up and, and he took the sit to not spend that early petrol given he had these big ways so I had no knock on that early decision. We're all really smart after the race, aren't we? Um, still yet to miss a winner post-race. Uh, but look, if he, had it, if he had it again, of course you'd do it differently, but it's not the reality of the world we live in. Um, and once they jacked up mid-race, he was obviously in a bit, of, a bit of trouble and went for the rails run, was originally there, and then once the gap closed, he was chopped out. Picks up, hits the line 11.22 off a standing start. Only standoff, uh, Mayor in race one, uh, was quicker than him all day, last 200 and he did it with weight, and he did it, as I say, after being badly uh, hampered. So clearly should have won the race, but it won't be the last time um, we back one that should have won, that's for sure. All right, so back up in Sydney, let's talk about the seven stakes, Brody. Uh, we touched on Nashville at the start of the program, but we didn't talk about Think It Over and, and the runs in behind him. Obviously, it was a good, tough performance. Zaki was good up on speed, and my Oberon as well in behind them was quite nice. Yeah, it was a really, really slowly run race. Once again, the seventh stake. So I'll kick off by the favourite, Fangirl. Of course, she had absolutely no chance from the wide gate, forced to go back to last. She ran some monster splits home. I believe at 400 to the six, uh, yeah, 400 to 200, 1052. She was absolutely no, low flying late. But it's all honours to Kerry Parker. The way he's got this horse back to the races and racing so well, Nash Willa, we know he's so strong in the finishes. And he aboard this horse that just to get there, the perfect combination. Of course, that Queen Elizabeth ride, we won't forget for a long time when he hooked it to the outside fence and nailed Zaki. And poor old Zaki's run into him once again, think it over. He just got over the top of him late. It was a fantastic run. A couple other horses behind are going very well as well. My Oberon. If it gets a sting out the track in the next couple of weeks, this horse is ticking along perfectly. It was only second up. He ran second at the Doncaster at a monster quote. And I think he, if he finds a bit of a sting out the track next start, he can be very hard to beat. Zaki's racing well. I think he's just a couple of lengths slower than he was when he was at his peak a couple of years ago. And sneaky through the line late Fireburn. She was really good as well for Phillies and Mare's grade. Uh, what about to the the Kerry Parker story? Obviously, you, you know him quite well, Chris. They spent a lot of time on this horse, um, and just incredible that he's back, mate. And and, and just 
the the work that went into into his recovery is exceptional. Yes, Dave. He was um, spoke to Kerry on Saturday night. He was um, just putting the the ice in his scotch and waiting for the horse to return back to Kemble and Carange with the um, ice boots ready for him. And he would have had the ice boots on Saturday night, and just he would have got all the pats and care you need from a stable. So. Um, Kerry's done a wonderful job with him. I was talking to him about what, what went into getting him back. And he said, realistically, when he came back, it was the easy part. It was when he first did the injury, he said, I virtually slept in his box. I was icing him five and six times a day to keep keep the legs swelling, the swelling down. And and we just did everything that Dr. Tim Boland said. And um, look, they've got him back. He's an old an older horse, but... It's hard to say he's not going as well as he was when he won a Queen Elizabeth. Anyone that says that people don't care about racehorses or anything like that, that's the, that's the story. Um, just one of many. Uh, there's a horse that obviously suffered a significant injury and the way in which he has been nurtured and brought back just shows um, how incredible and talented people are in our industry. Um, and I tell you what, it, it, as I said, that's one isolated story, one of hundreds you could tell. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, Steve. So if you're keen on getting involved with the show, give us a call, 13.53.53. Morning, Steve. Morning, boys. How are you? Good, mate. What's, uh, what have you got for our panel? I just wanted to have a quick one for um, Chris and then Gator, if I could. No worries, uh, mate. First one is uh, Chris. Um, just wanted to give you a wrap, mate. You had a you really really confident tip on the weekend of Private Eye um, at odds too, and you and you didn't give like five or six tips, which some 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 people like to do to cover them cover themselves a bit. But that was really good. You just honed in on it and really confident. So that was very good, mate. Um, and Duff did it as well with Osbred Flirt. So. You know, that was another one, and obviously he's not there today. But, um, but yeah, just uh, just wanted to give him a wrap for that. That was, that was good tipping. Um, Perfect, Also, um, just for Gator, if I could, two at Flemington. One was um, I just wanted to check, uh, see what you thought about Cast uh, in the Amelia's Jewels race and Nearing Liberty in the in Griff's race getting home. Yeah, look, um, I've made Cast one of our horses to follow. Uh, spoiler alert, I thought she was good off a wide run, and um, obviously Amelia still went straight by her, but... Amelia's had the softer run, and she was first up, Cass. So, look, I don't think she'll ever beat Amelia's Jewel in a horse race, um, as long as, you know, they're both uh, <laughs> uh, alive. But, um, yeah, she can certainly win her share of races this prep if they place her right. Uh, the other one was Nearing Liberty, who, uh, look, I marked as, as probably an even effort. Um, was eighth quickest four to the 200, but then third quickest home at 12.20. So, um, did find the line, you know, relative to the race at 80 to 1, and perhaps a bit easier, a bit further, might be the right recipe uh, to find a value winner there. Perfect. Thank you very much, Steve. There you go, mate. Hopefully that uh, sums it all up. It was good on uh, Friday, Chris, so I've got to give you a wrap. Um, the, I know Brady mentioned it at the start of the program. I mean, that's the whole reason why we do the punters panel, and we do it in that style. Uh, where it's not formatted like your your form lines, your other shows, where you know you've got to get through a certain amount of races for TV. We can have a a casual chat in that thirty to uh, to twenty five minutes, and basically it's the same chat that what you heard on Friday, guys, is exactly how Chris and Luke talk to each other on the phone or when they see each other at the track or at Sky, and that's exactly what we wanted to replicate that that banter and that that passion and. You were very, very passionate about Private Eye, mate, and I hope you uh, you hope you made a quid. 
It was um, it was a good day. It was a good day, really. Um, Private Eye, when you go back through his form, although he's won on wet tracks, his, his form on firm ground is almost impeccable and that's where where it come where my confidence come from and I just I have to say I wasn't very confident at the 600 when he was facing the breeze three wide even though it looked like he was he was traveling because I I thought they were going a bit slow but he he is just a really good horse and um Joe's going to get the best out of him he gets to race for 20 million now and um I think uh, Max Whitby. I spoke to him. He was at the he was at the Brisbane Grand Final when I was speaking to him and cheering. I think he scored a try while, while I was on the phone to him. So it's hard to it's hard to get get anything out of him. I was like, we're gonna it's going to be a very good day. We're going to win the Grand Final. So um, I just feel when you when you do your form, if you've got an opinion and you've got to stick to it, and if if you feel something is at the wrong price. And I talked to Brad Gray about this, who also found Ross Bradford. He does his prices and he bets to his prices. So if he, if it's a three to one chance, he'll he'll back it to win a certain amount at three to one, even if it's twelve to one. And that's how you make a lot of money punting. And that's why Brad Brad Gray has got is probably the the most one of the most respected judges in the country. Let's go to Michael, who's in the line. G'day, Michael. Hello. How you going? Good mate, uh, you want to talk about Nashrilla? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, I backed him on Saturday in the second race, and I can't remember the name of the horse. It's by the uh, Derry Grove. Derry Grove, uh, who that was it. Is flying towards the Cosy. It was. I knew he was on song after that one, so I just loaded up an Australia. I had a um, a multi thinking. Think about it. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, the top one. So you had think yeah. it, think it over in a private eye. Passed into uh, the favourite in the second last in Adelaide, and I, and I got wrong. Ten dollars for thirty-four thousand. I was looking to write the start. See, but you went, you went to Adelaide. See, you got greedy. Why did you go to the Adelaide League? You should have just kept it at Nash. Uh, just because it was, just because I wanted something uh, a bit shorter. To, to boost it up. It's always the way, isn't it? Oh, did, you, did you have a win, Michael, overall? If you did, go down and see our good friends at your local phone shop, mate. Wherever you are, that reception's no good. We've got Dave on the line who won't be too far away. Just on Derry Grove, uh, Brody and Gator, I'll bring you in here. Very impressive in that uh, tab highway. That was unreal. Nasha Willard did not flinch aboard Derry Grove. I haven't seen a horse truck into a, a race like that for a very like Emily was jewels there. Yes, Gil's racing in a highway, but when he got to the outside and he was coming along, everyone was watching once again my girl at the turn going, she's had the right time in front. What can she produce here at 1,000 metres? She's a young gun on the yup. Let's see what she's got for a potential cosy, um, to push her case for a cosy slot. And then about the 300, you looked across at Nash, and he just went, oh, gosh, what's coming here? It was a fantastic run, mm. 61 kilograms as well. I wasn't yeah. too sure about Derry Grove leading into Saturday, but he's got to be a live cosy chance off that. Well, that's the, uh, Gator, that's the beauty. I mean, the, the market gravitated towards, once again, my girl, who Brett Kavanagh, I've pre- you know, presuming there was a lot of stable confidence about this horse going towards, I think one day they actually backed. Uh, if you go back through to, to Scone, they backed her one day, that mare to beat red card at Scone and the Denise's Joy. So yeah, there was obviously some, 
some confidence about her trying to get a spot and a slot, and that's what we find with these tab raises. But, geez, uh, carried 55 and a half. The other horse had 61 and just went whoosh. Yeah, well summed up. I mean, it was probably the the best uh, highway win I saw. I have seen Derry grow from the one his previous run leading into this. Um, but then, look, not many highway winners uh, are running seven lengths above average time, and that's what happened on Saturday. Did it with weight, as Brady referenced, near 57 flat for the thousand metres. So, uh, look, I tend to risk them every time they go up in grade, highway winners, and it works most of the time. Uh, but I think Derry Grove's the exception. Yeah, he's just really turned a corner, hasn't he? Uh, and he's locked in. Uh, also, as well, I think actually we've got Dave on the line. G'day, Dave. G'day, Dave. Hey, boys. I missed you, Dave, when you're out here in Parks. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, mate, well, I'm down in Sydney and you're in Parks. What's going on there? I'll have to, uh, have to just get back out there, mate. <laughs> anyway, boys. Um, you've got a I gripe, know, I see. You've got, you've got a gripe. Oh, well, a bit of a gripe. I, I, I'm not a real fan of putting those young blokes on on these good horses. Like Dylan Gibbons the other day, I, I would have liked to see him got a clear air a lot earlier than he did. He was never going to get a, a, a split up on the rail, so, and then he's had to hook it out about four wide, to, and, and didn't it come home, that bonus notches? Jeez, it came home. And uh, and well done to Michael Maxworthy, who uh, gave it a bit of a push too earlier in the week. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't know. What would you have wanted Dylan to do differently, though? And what well, would he have done? Have to, well, he, he seemed he seemed to be riding patiently there, waiting for a split to come on the rail. And I and I thought he maybe yeah you know, in a race that big, maybe he should have just. Got, I just would have loved to have seen him get out earlier. Maybe at the two hundred, he could probably see that he wasn't going to go. Yeah, there, there was going to be no splits coming, so you know, it would have been interesting because when it did get out, didn't it come home? If you boys don't mind, I'm yeah, happy to jump in here and defend Dylan. Yeah, the horse wasn't the best away, and he was caught about two, three pairs back on the fence, and they didn't go very fast. I think if he's on the, if he's drawn a bit wider, he gets to the outside, has that beautiful building run into the race like Private Eye. He, he probably does win the race, but I think just victims of circumstance from the from the low draw. Caught back on the fence. He had nowhere to go. Leaders weren't taking him into the race, so he had to peel off. So I can understand he savaged the line late. Probably should have won, but I don't think that one's really too much Dylan's fault. In in my humble opinion, of course, the good thing with racing is everyone everyone can disagree and everyone can find different angles, but I might stick up for Dylan on this one. I totally agree, Brady. He, he, he had barrier three, a little bit slow away. He was always inside in secret. So He's always um, slow what, away, though. He's he's, always, he's, but he's got he's, to go... He's, to go back, he's got to go right back and take and say, right, I'm committing to going down the outside in a in a race where they aren't going that fast. And if he goes right back and you hook right back and then hooks to the outside, you're probably saying, oh, why didn't he... Why didn't he... Why didn't he... Why wasn't he closer? I think he did... The best in the circumstances. He got to the outside. He got out late. The horse flew home. He's he's gone enormous, enormous. But sometimes you just can't win from the positions. And this is another case of inside barriers. Sometimes aren't the best barrier for for a horse that could be slowly away because you are then dictated to where you're going to be. A bit like Antino. Antino probably looking back, and I think Mick Goody made this. Pre- who's the former track manager at Flemington? He said that he won't. Uh, Ullman won't be the first and won't be the last interstate jockey who gets caught out at the 1,400 metres, letting them go around him and thinking he's going to get a run. 
Thanks for your call, Dave. 13.53.53 is the open line number if you want to get involved with the show. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. 9.54, Sky Sports Radio with Brody Nixon, David Gately and Chris Roots. Uh, your call's on 13.53.53 if you'd like to be a part of the show. Todd's on the line. Good morning, Todd. Good day, Dave. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. I haven't heard from you for a while, mate. And you want to talk about uh, Mr. Brightside? Yeah. Um, just a question on uh, the great champion. Um, did he happen to have um, a tongue tie on on Saturday? Gator, have you got the gear in front of you? Uh, no. Um, but whatever they're doing, stick with it. Mate, I loved how he, uh, how he stuck his tongue out there, running out Yeah, a bit, of Michael, a bit of Michael Jordan-esque, wasn't it? Oh, brilliant, mate. I love the horse. I think he's going to um, win the Cox Plate personally. Um, and another horse that I really like is uh, Amelia's Jewel. I think she's uh, I think she's absolutely stunning, mate. And uh, just brilliant, our racing just keeps giving back to the punter, mate. I'll tell you, with these horses, amazing. Fantastic. Thank you, Todd. I've just got a tweet here from our good mate. He always listens, Danny Jackson, saying that the ride on Bonas Notches was a shocker. Um, gee, I don't know. I think we're being pretty harsh there on on Dylan. I don't know exactly, yeah, what what we wanted to do. Obviously, there's a, a bit of a consensus out there. Horses always slowly away. I mean, you couldn't barge Zach out of the way and in secret. They sort of fanned. You know, I don't know exactly where you would wanted the horse to be. What, a couple of pairs? Oh, yeah. You watch him from the 800. He starts to sort of quicken up on Borner's notches and kicks up, but then he's got Remark in front of him, Hawaii 5-0. Nash in that perfect spot, but he's, as Ruta said, he's got, you know, three wide. He's got facing the breeze. You think he's going to drop off? Yeah, I really hope he's picked up. I, I know the Gator hopes he's picked up for a um, for an Everest spot. But, yeah, just not sure what exactly Dylan was meant to do in that situation. Um it's, a, I guess, the beauty of our game. Uh, and if you'd like Bornez Notches, you're probably going to get a bit of a... Uh, you might get some some relatively good odds. Where is the plan for Bornez Notches? Will they go to the Premier next, Chris? That's what they have to do? I think they have to now. They'll, yeah. they'll go there. And um, unless they were to be picked up before it, then they can, they can, they'd have the option of not going there. But if you're, if you're not in the race, I think you go to the Premier and you, go to, and, and you, and you keep getting points in the series. Remember the Sydney Sprint Series gives it gives horses a chance to win bonuses. So um, it'll be up to Matt. Very good trainer, uh, very patient trainer too. So um, he'll know he'll he'll have a plan in his mind. But I guess when you when you're looking at a twenty million dollar race, you've 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 got to have that in your mind as well. So that'll sort of influence the decision a little bit next. All right, uh, it is nine fifty seven. Chris just wanted to get a comment from you from a from putting your Sydney Morning Herald journalist cap on. I mean, the the circus, I guess, we saw last week with Giga Kick and uh, everything. I mean, obviously, we saw Craig come out on the weekend and have a chat with Richo on 7 about uh, that. He rode superbly as well. We talk about the Kosciuszko. I hope Donna Scott's horse comes into calculations our last cash. It was brilliant uh, in in Melbourne. Yeah, I was wondering what Gator, then, Gator made that on times, Dave, because it, yeah. it, you can compare it to Gary Grave and get sort of a line on the day and made it different tracks, but... Is it is it is it in the Derry Globe class, and that's what it has to be to be winning the race? Yes. Well, we'll get a comment uh, on I'll, I'll get a comment yeah. on that, and then I'll come back to you, Chris. So, on the times of Derry Grove comparing it to our last cash. Oh, I, I do find it treacherous, um, but look, I, I'm, as I've said a million times, I'm happy to give them information out 
to punters and then let them absorb it. Um, I think the our last cash race, they just didn't go uh, at an overly strong speed, so didn't get a great chance to, to run time. But what uh, that horse did do was run about a length above all averages. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, though, uh, Derry Grove was some seven lengths above, and it's not as if they taught um, scorched the turf the first section either. So um, if you put those races together, uh, Derry Grove beats our last cash easily. Okay. And that's, right. that's a bit about what 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 um, analysing um, races are. You, they, you can never compare two different tracks on different days and things like that, but it gives you an idea of where they sit compared to each other. And um, you know, our last cash is one of the horses in the mix for that final slot. So, yep. um, but Derry Glove would be one one's hard to beat. But with now, the Craig Williams, Craig Williams is, and I'll, Digger I'll, Kid story. Oh yeah, I was, and I wanted, what, what I was asking about this is because we see obviously Craig make comment. Uh, saying that's racing, uh, blah, blah, blah. I know James was on Sydney, uh, the seven coverage as well, with Bruce obviously discussing it. It sort of became, it, it just started to, to almost get out of hand, the story, and you've got obviously two blokes who are sole traders, obviously Craig being, that's what jockeys are effectively. Uh, and then you also had James brought into it, and the vibe that I got off his discussion with with, um, with Bruce was, and in the, in the seven was that, you know, he wasn't going out and trying to steal rides. He was watching this like we all were, sort of, in, uh, I guess the volcano erupted in front of us, and his phone was called and offered the ride. So let's go back. Uh, Rod Douglas was fined 1500 for his comments that he made on uh, Stephen Hewlett's show. And... and uh, Whatever you think, there was a lot of passion in them, but they, they, in this in this day and age, they're they're not acceptable. Those comments. So, fifteen hundred dollars. He he he's paid the penalty there. What happened during the week was just um, uh, it was played out in public, which is something that should have been played out privately. I, um, jockeys are manoeuvred off horses all the time, and and they all you always want to have the best possible rider on your horse. Now, if they made when they made the decision that. Uh, Craig Williams wasn't going to be on this horse, which was obviously made very early in the week. Um, they had to find a jockey. So what happened? What, what what happened was they had to find a jockey. James McDonald wasn't riding on that day early in the week. He had to go. He's doing hyperbaric training by light therapy, trying to get the foot right. He 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 was little chance of getting back. He, he told me, and then he's. Foot started to respond as he went. Did two and three hours of therapy every day. He went. He had a booking with a doctor on Friday. So until James saw the doctor, there was um, no guarantee that James could ride it. Now he was obviously the first option for the hooks. So the first option that uh, that Jonathan Munns and Rocket Douglas wanted was James McDonald in Sydney. Um, there were plenty of other jockeys that rang for the ride. My understanding is, but they were waiting on what the doctor said to James. James then told them what the doctor said, and that's when the offer of the ride came. And they have to have the jockey in place before they get they sack Craig and tell Craig, you're off. Like, you could tell him that you're off, and then you, you know you're going to get a jockey, but you want to have that in place before you do it. So it just got played out publicly. It got a bit messy, and that's what happens when it gets in the public spheres. We see it in rugby league all the time, and... Um, the melodrama, that's what makes rugby league, league um, sell papers. It's, it's the melodrama of the sport. Mm. Did it get messy because we had, you know, you had one, obviously, news being leaked 
um, in, in from from different parties, and obviously one party wasn't talking to the other party. It was it wasn't all confirmed. That's why it obviously got messy. Well, people tell things to people all the time, time, time in this world, and you can't control what other people say. So that's what that's what happened, and um, you know it it was um, it was probably an open secret from definitely from Tuesday when Ben Dollies went on and said I'll swim to Argentina. I was hoping I was hoping he'd have to get the Argentinian web, uh, wetsuit on. He's a great mate of mine, Ben, and he did a great job to get 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 that store. Get, have that 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 piece of information. Um, plenty of people knew about it. knew where, where it was going. It was just it had to wait till Friday for James to go to a doctor and find out whether he could ride. And then, if he couldn't ride, there would have been two or three jockeys in Melbourne who were in line to come to Sydney to ride it. Right. Okay. We've got John on the line. Good morning, John. Oh, hi, fellas. Look, I just wanted to throw my weight in on Mr. Brightside. For mine. Yep. A, a champion horse or, or approaching champion has to win handicaps and wait for age uh, races or set weight races. And the best I saw in my time was Tobin Bronze. Like, he won the Caulfield Cup, still holds the weight, carrying record for the uh, Tour Act. He won the Doncaster. He won Cup Cots Plates, you know, Victoria Derby, whatever. Uh, Cup of McKinnons, you know, all of that. So he's not quite up to Tobin Bronze. But uh, I think he's well on the way. That's why I think that Lonro and Octagonal, as good as they were, and I'm not knocking them, but they never won handicaps. And that's just my opinion. You have to win set weight races and handicaps to be considered a, a champion. All right. Thank you for your call, John. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of people out there that would agree with you. And uh, Mr Brightside, as I said, we will uh, see him hopefully in Sydney for that to King Charles with a market that is open. With the tab, I yeah, mate. caveat, caveat to that, Dave. You've got to win set weights and wait for age rates, set weights and handicaps. But in Australia, you've got to win in Melbourne and Sydney. We have plenty of horses that can win in Melbourne, can't come to Sydney. We have plenty of Sydney horses that can't win a group money in, in Melbourne. So I think when you do it in both states, home and away, and that's what you've got to do in a, uh, if you're going to be a champion football team, you've got to win home and away. I think that's 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 a big thing about it too, and he's done it in both states. Only been to Sydney twice and won over at Mile at Randwick twice, so um, a worthy favourite for the King Charles. But he's not going to have it all his own way. Two eighty, as I said, for the King Charles pre dom with Mr. Brightside Light Infantry. Zach Purton has been locked in to ride Light Infantry at six dollars. Fangirl at seven. Amelia's Jewel at nine. Think it over at nine. Zaki eleven. Um, that is uh, pretty much your market, the, the top ones in there. That's Everest Day. So if you're looking to, if you're in Sydney listening to this, of course, this uh, goes out to our New South Wales audience via our radio network and the ACT. Uh, and obviously we have other people from around the uh, the country and world listening online. But, geez, if you're in Sydney and you're trying to get an Everest ticket, uh, that's going to be one hell of a day of racing where you're going to see a, a Kosciuszko where Opal Ridge is your 350 favourite. You'll see the King Charles... Stakes. Uh, you'll also see as well the Tab Everest, and then looking up at your TV screens, it is also Caulfield Guineas Day. So you'll have um, plenty, a plenty um, of of punting uh, and racing to watch that day. That's going to be uh, a cracker. And gee, if this weather continues like this, guys, we saw track records broken at Newcastle on Friday. We saw 
Um, tracks playing perfectly, I thought, uh, in both states. I know Flemington, it looked like at one stage you wanted to be near the fence, you wanted to be on the inside, but then, you know, Amelia's duel. I, I think, do you boys agree with that? Were you happy with the way both tracks played? Yeah, 100%. I uh, didn't have a major issue, certainly at Flemington. I thought it played really well. Straight yeah. races, probably better wider. Um, Sydney, I had a, probably a slight on-pace inside advantage, but nothing sinister. Yeah, it's just racing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with the boys. That was, you couldn't complain about those tracks, and it was up to us as punters to find the winners. And maybe unless you were unlucky in the run, I think basically every horse had their chance with the way the tracks played. I don't think we should ever we should talk about it like when it's like a referee. It should be said they should be seen and not heard, really. And that's what um, and that that's what the track was. They they offered the perfect racing services on the weekend. All right, uh, boys, we need some horses to follow. Uh, I'll start with you, Brody. What horses are we following uh, this week? I think there's a beautiful gelding out of the Hawks operation by the name of Altivo. He was soft in the market late first up. He had absolutely no luck. He was caught back on the fence in the Osbred flirt race. She, I think he went through the line under a hold. There's a fair case to be made if he got out. Jeez, he probably should have won, but I think he's a really, really nice horse. I think he's going to be contesting very nice races in the next 6 to 12 months. He's the first of mine, and I want to highlight Tata Levita. She was caught in the... The three old fillies race, the T-Rose, forced to go back to the last from the wide gate. Her work between the last 600, but the 10-68 split between the four and two, I thought she was monstrous out wide. If she draws a low gate in the flight stakes up to a mile, I think she's well and truly in this race, and we might get a price. And the other one, Unique, unique Ambition. She's only had the three starts, but she savaged the line as well before being chopped out. We'll go to you, Gator. Uh, yeah, horses to follow. I have. Um, so Antino, difficult to miss out of Flemington. And Cast, who we did uh, mention earlier. Bonus Notches out of Sydney and just fine. Um, was as good as any win across the country again. All right. Uh, and Chris, your horses to follow? Yeah, uh, I thought just fine was outstanding. He, he, he probably goes to the Metropolitan next start, but there is a $2 million hill stakes at 1,900 metres that might interest him as well. I, I thought Benno was excellent in that race. I think he's he's, he's got his hoof right on the till. The $18 in the Metropolitan uh, and $4 something to place. Well, that's just, I think it, he, he, he definitely, he's definitely won the fellow there. I think Kia Michi, once she gets to the to the uh, mile, will, and if they go a decent tempo, I think she's right. She had three wide no cover on the weekend. She, I think she can turn the tables on to it's Invincible. And, of course, I've got to put my old mate in there, Private Eye. Well done, boys. And uh, we'll see you on Everest Day, and hopefully they bet $12 again. Exactly right. Uh, you will have a, all those horses to follow out later on the Twitter and social media pages. Great to chat with you this morning. Good debut, Brody. And, uh, of course, those trials this morning, if people are wondering where Duff was, Duff's on the coverage at the moment of Sky Thoroughbred Central with Greg Radley as the two-year-old, tab two-year-old trials continue here at Royal Ramwick. We'll catch you next Monday, guys.